That's philosophy. Is that a sport? Uh, no, it's more of an attempt to uh, construct a viable hypothesis to uh, explain the meaning of life. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Would you like to talk about the meaning of life, darling? Sure, why not? Philosophy for two? Right. And welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guy podcast. So before we talk about uh, today's episode, which is on the philosophy of the good place, I'm just going to do my usual quick and uh, forking self-promotion advertisement. So first of all, thanks for everyone's support so far. You know, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you do a lot to help the show. And another great help is supporting me through Patreon and my Amazon banner. The links are going to be below. So quickly, an overview of those rewards. So I don't want to do my typical one that I've done the last couple episodes of my self-advertisement. So for $1, you get access to the Discord group, full episodes. You get the Patreon post. And then for $5, you get podcast shout-out, the bonus episode feed, and previous rewards, of course. And the bonus episode feed is separate from the full episode feed. So it's going to be, uh, I have one episode on there and I'll be slowly get putting more episodes on there. So it's completely bonus content for Patreons only. And the $10 tier, you receive access to voting on the next, uh, content covered. You get to do Q and A submissions when I start doing those. Um, then you get my PDF on 100 questions to philosophically examine your life. And then previous rewards, of course, as well. And for all those, you receive my undying gratitude as well because, you know, you, you help, help keep this podcast going and help me be able to, uh, put content out quicker. So thanks again for all of your support. But, uh, let's get on with today's episode. So. Since we are in the middle of season three of NBC's show, The Good Place, I thought it would be, you know, a great opportunity to do a philosophy uh, of episode on the show. Also, because it happens to, the main plot point happens to point of the show being, it has to do with philosophy and metaethical philosophy to be more specific. So we'll dive a bit deeper into that today. So something that makes the, the show unique is that the main characters happen to be, well, dead. So except for Michael, the, the demon, and Jan, she's like this vessel of knowledge. The show also kind of interestingly, routinely takes down its character building. It, it shreds them up and restarts them in a way. You know, when, when Michael has to keep going through his loops of his simulation, which we'll kind of get into, of, you know, basically trying to cause these group of four to torture each other. So in a way, that that, that not only fits, but you, you know, it kind of works, but you still connect with the characters each time, even though you know they like, they don't know each other anymore. They haven't developed the way we, we saw. So even though they, in a way, restart their building over and over again, it, it still works for the show as, as a whole, I think. But maybe the most unique thing of all is that the show, it routinely gives shout outs to historical philosophers. And actually gives short summaries of their work in a way. It's it's a main plot point of the show is introducing you to kind of this intro level um, college moral philosophy, and they do it in, in in an entertaining fashion. All I have to say is is maybe some 
philosophy professors, <laughs> including some of my former philosophy professors, could take some notes from this show. It's, it's good in helping to explain kind of these important philosophical concepts in an entertaining and fashion, uh, fashionable way in that, in that sense of, you know, kind of that comedy aspect with it. And the show gives, gives shout-outs to popular philosophy figures such as Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, David Hume, John Stuart Mill, Immanuel Kant, Soren Kierkegaard, even even like a, a modern and, and still alive uh, philosopher gets a shout-out, Todd May's book on uh, called Death. So they made even they they even made a cool kind of little rap and 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 about this beforehand. I guess there's a full length rap. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about within the show. If you've watched it, if not, but if you've watched it, there was that rap that was going around, and you know they said a couple of sentences. But here, I guess there's supposedly a full length rap on it, and I'm still trying to find that, and maybe I can find a way to share it with you guys. But anyway. It's a rap about a philosopher in the show, and it goes like, My name is Kierkegaard, and my writing is impeccable. Check out my theological suspension of the ethical. And it, of course, the rap gets made fun of because it is a little bit ridiculous, but I respect anyone who introduces these figures and is able to entertainingly rap about them to millions of people. You know, I think this show kind of shows there, there's this hunger for philosophy in a way out there. So The Good Place also kind of has a... A funny critique, I think, on the very widely known trolley problem within philosophy. So surely you've encountered it if you've ever taken a philosophy class at an introductory level. But essentially, a trolley is going down the track, and you are in the trolley. And if you don't pull the lever to switch tracks, you kill five people. If you do pull the lever, you kill one. You know, that's the typical one. Of course, there's various versions of the trolley problem, but that's like the the starter um, trolley problem version. So in the show, Chidi, one of the main characters, is forced into this situation, him being the moral philosopher. So it's it's interesting that he has been, was, was put in the situation as he has all of this knowledge of ethical theory and all. But basically, he commits a good critique about the trolley problem. You know, you can debate and debate you know, what the right thing to do is in the trolley problem, but you should account for what, you know, what the real life situation would be. You know, what do you do in that situation? So if you feel the pressure and are unable to make a choice in the stress of the situation, does that make you truly a bad person? You know, probably not, I would say. The point is the trolley problem doesn't really give us much information about who are good and bad people, I think. You know, maybe depending on the various versions of the trolley problem, but I think the show made an interesting point in that, you know, when you get into that situation, it's one thing to theorize about it outside of it. But when you're in that situation, a lot of different variables account for, you know, motion, you know, all those type of things. And I think the show did a very entertaining way, an interesting way. But anyway, back to the philosophy, other, the more philosophical parts of the show. The show definitely includes a major plot point similar to famous philosopher, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's In No Exit. It's a famous play about a cruel form of torture in the afterlife that kind of locks these, these three shitbags in the form of hell together. The torture of being that they will make each other miserable. And three of the, the, the good place characters happen to resemble the No Exit characters, which is Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, and Chidi and Tahani, um, is a, you know, a selfish, cruel character, a coward, you know, and rich, stuck-up girl. So Jason isn't really included in Satra's play, but I'm glad The Good Place included him because 
you know, he provides an, an important comedy aspect and an important ethical type, which we'll get into. But the show was still undeniably providing some commentary on Sancho's play because the four of them in the good place are tricked into thinking they are in the good place, but are actually, they're actually in the bad place. And the four of them are supposed to make each other miserable. So kind of a spoiler alert, obviously here, they kind of don't, which we'll get into, they don't make each other miserable. It kind of seems the show is saying Satra is wrong in a way and is in this theory that's presented in the, in the play, no exit. But we'll get more into that later, like I said. But also another spoiler, you know, the whole idea that the four are supposed to make each other miserable. Well, that was intended because they are not actually in the good place. They're in the bad place. They're placed there for eternal hell. So further exposition about the show, the good place plays with the idea of what happens after we die. It's an examination of post-mortem. So I think it makes an interesting take. And maybe I was reading too much into it, but it seemed they were kind of uh, poking fun at the idea of being determining that you either go to the good place, you know, it's like this heaven-like we can assume, or the bad place where you are eternally tortured. The thought I had from this is you live for what? you know, between 70 and 80 years on average, the choices you make in those 70 to 80 years are what determines your life for eternity. Like, you know, what? <laughs> like, see, doesn't that seem odd, you know, when we first think about that? So I think they're poking fun at that idea. You know, take Tahani. Sure, she did everything for the attention, yet she still organized good causes. She gave a lot of good to the world. Does she deserve eternal damnation probably not so i think the show is kind of poking fun at this very western idea of the afterlife where this the short window of your life is supposed to determine your your kind of punishment or your your gift for eternity and that just seems odd to think about but anyway the show it, it remains neutral by saying that you know every religion has about 5% correct in its guesses about the afterlife. The decision of who goes where has been automated in, in this universe. So where every action Earth is assigned on either positive or negative value according to this rigid algorithm of sorts, the obvious is you gain points for acts of kindness and you lose points for things like murder, of course. But but other transgressions, I guess, transgressions, I guess, are, are included in this algorithm, you know, using Facebook as a verb, reheating fish in an office oven, and uh, paying money to see the red hot chili peppers. All in the show count as uh, negative, con negative uh, tally marks on your overall score for determining where you go in the afterlife. So I also was laughing at this idea, and it took it as a, as a knock on utilitarianism in, in an indirect way because utilitarians use a positive uh, and negative system in a way as well, or not in a way they they do, you know, this, this calculation and something is positive if it's useful for the majority for utilitarianism. So to me, the good place is poking fun at that idea because any positive and negative system will be arbitrary. So the question being who determines what is positive or negative. The silliness of the system raises doubts as to whether we can ever, you know, score goodness and badness precisely enough to compare moral worth of different individuals. So the show basically ends up needing to teach the group. 
including Chidi, the moral philosopher, on how to be good. So Eleanor started doing it to try and stay in what she thought was a good place. Then they figure out it was the bad place, so the group needed to figure out how to get into the good place. That's kind of where the show is. But the show uh, you know, raises an interesting question. Can we learn how to be ethical? See, all four main characters dynamically make up a different ethical person. So Eleanor is considered a, a bad person because she's knowingly making bad choices and doesn't care. Chidi is a bad person because he is not doing any choices really at all. Partly because he gets too hung up on different ethical ideas at once and it leaves him confused and unable to make a decision essentially. Where Tahani, she makes all, all the good choices with her motivation corrupted by fame and fortune, which making her in a bad way, according to the show, a bad person. And Jason is just oblivious to, uh, you know, making him a bad person since in this show, not knowing how to be good is not an excuse for being bad. So we can learn to be more ethical from more philosophers, right? Or, you know, that's kind of the question. From the show, we see that Elnor inter- internalizes more philosophy in some way, and we see her act more more decent. So the show seems to want to set up the, the premise that learning ethics makes you more ethical. See, the show is essentially practicing meta-ethical philosophy. So what are the foundations of ethics? Deep, you know, it's, it's deep, right? <laughs> Asking the question, can ethics teach you to be a better person and determine what ethical viewpoint can do that is meta-ethics? But learning a bunch of ethical theories about how much to act or how to act doesn't necessarily make you good. For one, a lot of them have holes. Another, we we have recent studies that show moral philosophers and uh, students who take ethics courses don't actually end up acting more ethical. So honestly, that's not that's probably not a major shock to anyone listening. But honestly, if you end up eternalizing, you know, ethical theories like Chidi has, you end up, you know, well, wondering how the hell you should act. Like one example in the show when Chidi and the crew have to go to the bad place and lie about who they are, Chidi brings up Kant's philosophy on how it's always bad to lie. Intuitively, it seems like in their situation, Chidi should lie. If he doesn't, him and, and the crew would likely be tortured for eternity. So it seems like this that's a pretty bad punishment for lying once, right? And, and so in a way, the show kind of plays out the absurdity of moral theory in reality. So in Chidi's situation that I just mentioned, and the trolley problem we mentioned earlier, he was left confused on what to do. So the show raises another interesting question. Should you ever learn to be ethical from moral philosophers? So yeah, Eleanor starts becoming a better person from the classes, classes, but is it the material that's making her a better person? It could be that the material isn't what's necessarily making Eleanor a better person, but the theory Chidi and the people around her are making her do some self-reflection on how to act. So I guess you could say in a way, you know, learning ethical theory drives you to do self-reflection in that way. So in a way it is helping, but it's not maybe not the actual theories, I guess you could say. So this is, this is fitting with the philosopher Aristotle, where in his virtue ethics, as in what is it to be virtuous? See, 
For Aristotle, if we focus on being good people, then the right actions will follow from that. See, for Aristotle, he thought wanting to be virtuous was a natural thing, something ingrained in us. You could interpret as we have this this ingrained in us idea so that we can act in, in more harmony. So we, so we trust one another and we thrive as a human species. So Aristotle also thought that in order to become virtuous, you needed to learn from a virtuous person. So, so sure, Chidi ended up in, in the bad place, in the show's universe. Yet he seemed to have an understanding, obviously, on what it is to be virtuous. You know, treat people with kindness, help your fellow man, do your best to essentially be a morally good person. Same with Tahani. Sure, she had some bad motivations, but still tried to act in a good way. It seems odd to think she could fake it all the way to raising $6 billion for people in need. She didn't obviously just do those purely for, you know, there is some selfish reasons, but I think you could argue most people when they act ethically have some selfish reasons involved. She obviously has some virtue in her is what I'm trying to say. So maybe it wasn't the ethical theories changing Eleanor. It was being around people who demonstrated virtue. This idea of being around good and virtuous people makes you more good and virtuous spills over into another idea that I think the show sort of embraces. The idea of moral intuitionism. So this intuitive awareness about what's right and wrong. It's your gut reaction. It's this gut reaction of what's right and wrong because even when Eleanor acts badly, she often admits she knows it's wrong but does it anyway. She in a way admits to having those intuitions but decides to act wrongly anyway. But as she kept being around good people that are trying to teach her, teach her to be good, they all start acting intuitively in a good way. They're changing their subconscious actions on being virtuous actors. So the show seems to double down on this as well. See, at the end of season two, Eleanor wakes up in a way from being dead. But even though she was has no memory of the bad place or her afterlife at all, something about her subconscious has changed. She has a new desire to act in a good way, to try to be virtuous. So maybe it, it was her near-death experience that booted this into action, but it was still her intuition springing into action that could arguably, that intuition could have come from some leftover memories of what she learned from Chidi and Tahani and even Jason in a way. So basically the show seems to theorize about ethics in the sense that in order to become better people, we need to surround ourselves with good people. Look at Eleanor. She she was pushed by Chidi and, and even Tahani to treat others better and genuinely become a better person. Even though she did have the incentive of trying to get into the actual good place, Eleanor had a positive effect on Chidi by getting him to act more instinctively, kind of actually acting on his already good intuitions. Jason honestly kind of had the the wiring. He just needed to be put into the right situation. And then you have Tahani seemed to learn to be more virtuous because she was no longer acting to impress her sister and parents, but instead to help out the group. The show makes an ethical statement on how to be ethical and that you should not only follow your moral intuitions, but learn to surround yourselves with people that want to properly act on them like you do. So a quote by Chidi in the YouTube video that Eleanor watches at the end of season two seems to sum this up perfectly of what the show's trying to get at. It goes, why choose to be good every day? There is no guaranteed reward we can count on now or in the afterlife. I argue that we choose to be good because of our bonds with other people. 
and our innate desire to treat them with dignity. Simply put, we are not in this alone. So I'll leave you with this one question today. Did this podcast episode make you more ethical? But, uh, you know, I'd like to say thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, you benches. Tune in next time. And for those on the full content feed, let's dive into Michael, the not-so-evil demon.